They didn't show names, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next summer. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Darn a number lever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcast July from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas. Happy New Year, Michael Lagares. Happy New Year, everybody. What's up? And of course, we are joined by the illustrious number one analyst in the NFL podcasting game today, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, everyone. How's everybody doing tonight? So what's up, AEBG Universe? We're back. It's been a while. The longest hiatus we've ever had on the show. The last couple games with the Jets there, Michael. Couple W's for the Jets since we last spoke. I was away out there in California, still watching the games. You were here, still covering everything for us. Steelers win. Bills win. I know there were two different types of games. The first one was more satisfying than the second because the Bills didn't necessarily have all their guys in there. But still, to finish the season off 6-2 and two like they did is uplifting considering the way the season started. Like we were talking about before the show started, Mike, with Falk in there. That was, we had some demoralizing losses early in the season. Sam got that win versus the Cowboys. But those first eight games, one win for the Jets those first eight games. The last eight games, 6-2. and two. Only the Ravens had to help. Only the Ravens were the only other team in the NFL that had a record that was six and two in the second half of the season. So I know the the schedule was much easier in the second half. A couple teams in there that were contending for playoff spots like the Raiders and the Steelers. I think they did show up in the second half of the season. Sam's numbers took a bit of a spike in the second half of the season, Mike. We know over that two game stretch there, Jaguars, Patriots, a ton of interceptions. Rest of the year, he played a little bit better. Finished season off on a high note, Mike. Two W's. At least they ended the season seemingly on a high note. Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. And the teams that they played, were they weak teams? You could classify them as weak teams. But the Jets are a weak team too, right? People can classify them as a weak team. The fact is, is that they went out there on Sunday and they were able to win six of their last eight games. The quarterback, Sam Darnold, in his second season, did he make the big two-year jump that we expected? No, he didn't take a huge, huge step forward. But the biggest metric that you want to take from Sam Darnold's second year is that he was a winning starting quarterback, 7-6 and six as a starter. That's huge. That's big for confidence. That's big for being able to walk in a locker room after, talk to your troops and say, look, we wanted to do X, Y, Z. We got the job done. The Steelers game, I thought that that was probably one of their most impressive wins of the season. They knew it was going to be a drag-out, beat-em-up fight, right? Sam Darnold was 16 for 26 for 183 yards and a touchdown. Didn't have the greatest game. Um, there were a couple plays there that, you know, he... And I understand that the Steelers had a really, really good defense, but Sam didn't lose the game for them. He managed the game, and the defense was able to pull it out. 
Um, Crowder was tremendous. Uh, Bell, probably that was Bell's best day on the ground against that Steelers defense. But I really thought that that was, for me, a very fulfilling win for the New York Jets to beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers team that was trying to make the playoffs. And then following, and following up, they went against the Hill people. Um, yes, their backups were in there. It was in inclement, inclement weather. Uh, Sam didn't have, again, one of his best games, 23 for 36, 199 yards, a touchdown and interception. Um, but again, they were able to get the job done. Um, Crowder had another good day, eight receptions, 66 yards and a tee. Um, the Bills did play their backups, but they lost. And that's the most important thing. The New York Jets walked away on a high note, finishing the season seven and nine and trying to ride that momentum into the offseason. Yeah. And Mike, getting into some of the stats where the season ended up here now, last year Sam finished with a 77 QB rating, or around there. Uh, this year he's at an 84. Not a huge improvement from last season, but considering our, where he was after that Patriots game, after that Jaguar game, Sam finished the season 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,000 yards. Uh, Luke Falk played a couple games this year too, guys. Guess what? Yep. Zero touchdown, three interceptions for him this season. Great. Solid. That's our quarterback stats for the year right there guys in a nutshell um you know and one of the biggest disappointments for the year mike we're just gonna get into these stats real quick and then we're gonna move on to the press conference with gase and douglas for everyone because i know everyone are the season's already ended but this is the first time we've been able to talk about it mike is overall if you look at it bell did have he had 789 yards rushing he had 461 yards receiving so he did have over 1200 yards overall in the passing game, he seemed to be a little more effective than he was when it came to the rushing attack, only having 3.2 yards of carry. I don't know if that was a byproduct of our offensive line and not meshing well with him, like we spoke about during the season with his running style and us not having the most talent on offensive line. You kind of need to hit those blocks as fast as you can because you know how long they can hold them. seemed like Bilal Powell was a little bit more effective. You can't live in a fantasy land where you say Bilal Powell's better than Le'Veon Bell because he's not. Right. Just with the offensive line the Jets had last year, he seemed to be a little bit more effective. And to me, Mike, you know, before you finish going through the statue, it kind of was one of the bigger disappointments for the Jets this year, only finishing with four touchdowns and not really making an impact on any game that was of any note that I can really remember. Yes, but if you look at the advanced metrics, the offensive line, what run blocking was the, gave up the worst uh, regarding the amount of yards where the running back met contact so the moment sam hands the ball off yes that's that they were the worst in the league at that and actually if you look at the sack rate pass protection they were 18th in the nfl in 2018 sam's rookie year and they were 30th in the nfl in 2019 the the offensive line had a lot to do with why this offense struggled i will not Give that as an excuse because if you go ahead and look at the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins actually had the worst offensive line per stats by PFF, but their offense was ranked higher than the New York Jets with, with less talent. So that says something. I don't know if that's an indictment on the quarterback as so much as it is the coach and schemes, but I will say that, that, that Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold didn't were not helped by this offensive line it was an absolute embarrassment it's an indictment on mike mccagnan and joe douglas's number one focus in the offseason is to get this offensive line up to respectability 
Yeah, and to, to say we struggled is an understatement, Mike. We finished 31st in points scored at 17.2. We finished 29th in passing yards at 194.4. We finished 31st in rushing yards at 78.6. And we finished dead last in the NFL in yards per game, Mike, at 273. So that's where we came in on offense this year. Now, I know Luke Fox set us back. Don't get me wrong for three games. Right. You still had another 13 games where if you had a good offense, you shouldn't rank nearly dead last in no, every yeah. single category. And I get it, Mike, that the offensive line was obviously below par, one of the worst ones in the entire league. They rank up there right with these stats down there right at the bottom. But a good coach figures these things yeah. out, Mike. Turns it around. You figure, you figure it out, especially considering the fact that on defense this year, the Jets finished 7th overall in yards, number 2 against the rush, 17 against the pass, 16 points overall, letting up 22 a game. The defense was put in positions this year, considering how bad the offense was, right. that if we had a good offense that could control the ball, run the ball, use some clock, put some points on the board, this defense could be top 2, 3, oh, you know? Yep. Instead, they kind of had their back up against the wall all season and still finished in the sure. top in the NFL in a lot of different categories. And Mike, that's what that's what I don't get is that the defense played great this year and the offense was the worst in the league. And our coach is supposed to be offensive guru, you know, offensive right. genius, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, that's kind of, to me, where the biggest fault lies with the team is the offense the whole season was just putrid. Even and though we it, won seven games. We it, won seven games because of the defense. Absolutely. And if you want to lay blame at the quarterback – Take this then into, for instance, over the last eight weeks of the season, Darnold has a 93.3 passer rating, which is 10th best in the NFL, which means he was efficient. If you go, I'll give you a perfect microcosm of what I believe this offense and the issues. Go back to the Bengals game. Sam actually didn't play bad that game at all. He was hitting his players. His players were dropping balls. But the play calls, we know that the Bengals were the worst team against the run going on the outside of the tackles, right? It statistically, they were. And after the Jet game, the teams were going and attacking them on the outside of the tackles on the run game, and they couldn't stop it. Adam Gase knows this. We all know this, right? So why wouldn't you create your offensive schemes to exploit your, your, your uh, enemy's weaknesses? This is the problem I have with him. And then when I hear Joe Douglas, and we're going to get into these play, these conferences here in a second, when I hear Joe Douglas say, oh, in the second half of the season, you know, uh, going six and two is not a mistake. And, you know, you can't really, um, you could say that the offense did well, you know, praising Gase in the second half. I, That's I'm insane. Kinda, I, I'm like, what is he talking about? I'm listening to him and I'm just like, are you, did you not watch these games? Like, that's yeah, Mike, the thing Mike, that's you can't have an offense rank last in almost every single thing, but half the season play good and half the season play bad. Then you'd be ranked somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You're the worst in the league in almost every category. Yeah. So that's GM speak, and I know why that bothered you because we talked about it. It, it. it just doesn't make any sense. And then Gase, like, he knows. So the other things that bother me about him is that why did you have to have Sam Darnold come to you to tell you about what he wants to run. Why would you not know what his strengths are and already have your offense being cultivated towards his strengths? And then the craziest part is at the end of the season with Le'Veon Bell, he has a conversation with Bell and he goes, yeah, I'm going to start looking at some tape 
about how Le'Veon played over there in Seattle, and we'll try to see what we can do to cultivate the offense around Le'Veon Bell's strengths. Are you kidding? It's the end of the season, and now you're looking at tapes of Le'Veon Bell like you wouldn't think that when you, you got here, when you got here, you say that you're gonna look like an idiot. <laughs> Right. Like, how do you not know if you say oh, that? God. You're stupid. You sound stupid. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. And then, He's like, you know what I'm going to do now? You know what I'm going to do now as coach? It's a good time since we had this guy for a year. <laughs> Let me take a gander at some tape from Pittsburgh and see what works. Because, you know why? Because nothing I did worked. <laughs> you know, that's just such ego that he didn't do that already. And going into the, 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 the conference, then Adam Gase is asked by Manish Mehta, who... Case hates Manish Mehta. There's some a lot of beef there. Manish has been just attacking him in the papers, as you know, just tearing him up, saying that you know I'm rich as f. You know when people don't like him, I don't know. And we, but we also know that uh, <laughs> just burner Manish. We right. also know that in our what does our opinion matter at all in the big scheme of things, right? But I mean, we also know he created a burner oh, Twitter account, and that's. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, and the thing is, it hasn't been proven that it's Manish, but we don't know exactly who did the burner, whatever, but it's just drama with the Jets. But the thing is, is Adam, but you know what also bothered me too about that press conference, Mike, is that one of the things that Douglas said is that one thing I can tell you is that communication is going to be big thing that we, is going to be a big thing that we need to improve on in the offseason. What are you talking about? Is Your team's or, to so, no, no, no. He's talking about Adam Gase himself. He's right. not talking about the team. Right. He's right. talking about Adam Gase and his stuff. He's talking about the front office. Right. So, with the front office, Adam Gase apparently got you in here, buddy, buddy, this and the other thing. What are you not communicating? Yeah, how are you guys not talking? How is it something you have to improve on? Why was it bad to begin with? Because this is another one of these things with these smoking guns, like you just mentioned with Gase, where what followed him around when he was in Miami was that he was a bad communicator, right. that he, you know, he had an, obviously had an issue with the owner, he had some issues with some players, some of these comments he said about Bell and other things that come out of his mouth, it's as if he has no awareness. You know, it's like when you when you make your guy in Madden, like right. you make Nick Kronk at tight end, <laughs> you raise the awareness to 100, or 99, I should say, you right? You sideline grabs. Gase is, a, Gase is awareness in Madden? Low. Zero. You say things that make no sense. What do you? How do you not have the awareness to know to have any of these things, or you just don't give a shit, right? You know at all. You know those answers are going to get you with nothing but more questions. And for Douglas to say we need to improve on communication in the offseason, that's a big thing. It's like, okay, I understand Mike him saying he'll take off or, or listen to offers for Bell and Adams because if some team's going to call you up and say here, I'm just hypothetical. This is going to happen. Here's three first round picks for Jamal Adams. Yeah. You do that in one second. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good Adams is because <laughs> even though he's tremendous, three first round picks in the NFL, that's gold. You know, that's gold. That means if you had your own, each year you'd have two first round picks for three years in a row, you get six first round players. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's something. I'm just, that's a crazy hypothetical I threw out there, but you know what I mean. Um, You have, you have to at least listen to those things. You know, on Bell's year that he had this year, Douglas Dillon didn't really want to comment on it directly. You know, they wanted, he just basically said they want to get a more productive next season because they're kind of talking around it, I think, because they're going to try to get rid of him. Yeah, and when you're asked, do you want Le'Veon Bell back, and you say, talk to the GM, he's the personnel guy, and then they ask you again, do you specifically want him back? It's very easy. All you got to do is just say yes. And then keep it moving. That's all you have to do. But you're pissed off at Manish Mehta because he asked you if you had a Twitter or you're angry at him because he's putting out all of the truth about your offense being the worst in the NFL, which it is. 
and you, you, this is New York City. This isn't Miami. This isn't Chicago. This isn't Denver. This isn't wherever you come from, Adam. This is New York City. You're going to get harassed by the media. It is the, it's the media capital of the world. Okay. You just got to put your big boy pants on and keep it moving. But no, he wants to say, oh, we're going to have to talk. And then obviously Le'Veon Bell put out a tweet with the face from, uh, What's the what's the guy from the office? Uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, he puts out a gif of Steve Carell's face. Like, oh, what did he just say? He didn't say any words. He just put the gif out. It speaks a thousand words. So it, it just you're causing drama when there doesn't need to be any drama. And Adam, you know, I'm very disappointed that we have him as a coach. But I'm hoping. I look. Here's the thing that I do, I'm looking at. I look at the Texans, right? The Texans just got into the second round of playoffs. They have a terrible coach too, and they have a terrible offensive line. And Deshaun Watson is still be balling. <laughs> still balling. You have coaches like you coach I love, I love how my Brian right there. Bro, Brian is har- horrific. You saw well, that again. That, that, Bill, that Bills game. He Mike went does. for yeah. Mike also does live in Houston. His wife is a Texas fan. Mike watches all the Houston yeah. Texans games, but yeah. he does know what he's, he's talking about. He knows he's what he's talking about. Yeah. Much better than the average uh, Jets fan. Bill O'Brien is, is horrific. And anyway, what I'm saying is, is that what I'm, my, my point to Jet fans, AEBG listeners, listen, look at Deshaun Watson. Even though he had a terrible offensive line, we know he has Larry Tunton now. He had terrible offensive lines last year. He's got Bill O'Brien, terrible coach. He still is able to execute and shine. Sam is 22. Sam, let me give you his stats over the last two seasons. So overall, over his last two seasons as a as a Jets quarterback, he has 26 starts. He's missed six games due to illness or injury. He has 36 passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, which is about a touchdown and a half per game. He's got 28 interceptions and five lost fumbles. That's 1.25 turnovers per game. He's got almost 6,000 yards at 6.8 yards per attempt, 226 yards a game. He has a quarterback rating overall of 81.1 and a QBR of 43.5. He's been sacked 63 times, 30 as a rookie and 33 this year. These are levels of David Carr. That's a lot of sacks. It's like he's getting hit. He's getting hit. Yeah. And also, two- you think if you any quarterback that's been sacked that many times, yeah, the next stat, you look how many times he's been pressured on the season. It's usually one of the highest in leagues too, which means you're always under duress when you're trying to operate. Oh yeah, and if you actually look at this year, uh, as far as quarterbacks that were pressured, Sam Darnold was the number one quarterback per dropback. And for so for every dropback, his pressure percentage was the highest in the NFL at 36.82. The second was Brian Fitzpatrick at 33.29. So Sam was getting pressured and hit more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And and with that. He finished his last eight games with a 93 quarterback rating. I will say this, Keith. I am not... I know that Sam isn't a bust. He's going to get a second contract. I don't know if he's elite. I don't know if he's going to be elite. Okay? Like, I know Deshaun Watson is elite, as you know. I know Lamar Jackson is elite. I know that Patrick Mahomes is elite, right? I don't know yet what Sam is and next year is really going to be a huge testament to this core it's it's so big because I know how young he is I know he hasn't like fallen off 
but he still makes stupid decisions, and his mechanics are horrific. Like, well, if you look at it in a whole, when you just mentioned his touchdowns and you mentioned his pickles, he's operating slightly above average. And slightly above average, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to have a career in the NFL. Right. Um, you might not have a career as a starter very long, though. Yeah. You know, he's guy. So, because what ha- what's happened with Sam and his numbers overall, even last year, if you remember, remember he had two games where he had seven interceptions in the two games? Yeah, and it this, was killer. And this year he has two games where he had six interceptions in two of the games. So he has, he has some games where it's just like, as far as statistics go, what you're discussing right now, and we're discussing about you know him on the field, it just destroys your stats. Yeah. It you destroys your stats. If you take out and, that stupid Patriot game, his stats look so much better. I mean, yeah, no, it does. And I, I look at it like this, Mike, is that the, all the other guys you just mentioned, they're in a lot better situations than Sam, and they yeah. have been. You no, know, they had even the Texans' offensive line, which wasn't that great, was still better than the Jets operated this year, which was horrific right. levels. And you know the Texans also had they have some pretty talent they have some pretty talented wide receivers the Texans they've always had at least average running backs the defense has always been more than average the Jets defense was pretty good this year but if you look at the Chiefs that's a whole different ball game man without there with Andy Reid Andy Reid is just you know he he's for some reason every every quarterback that goes under Andy Reid just look yeah. just look at the stats if it's McMahon if it's Alex Smith if it's Patrick Mahomes all of them have done well because the guy knows what he's doing they're all talented players as well. But that's one of the best coaches in the league. And then you look here at Sam, and he had Todd Bowles his first year and Adam Gase his second year. And that's just, that's, I totally understand what you're saying. Next year is going to be massive. And I didn't do this with Sanchez, which is funny, even though the first two years of his career, Mike, and you know this already, you can vouch for me. The first two years of his career, he had a ton of success as far as, to far as how far the Jets got. Right. You know, they got to two AFC Championship games. And, of course... That's always going to be looked at as well. It's amazing. It's a tremendous achievement. He had a great game versus the Patriots in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. But I said to Mike, I'm like, this dude's not going to be right. that good. You did after year two. and I, He's not I, I, going I to be believe, a good player. I couldn't believe that you said that because they had just gotten to two back-to-back AFC Championship games. And I was like, when we lost to the Steelers, I remember you being like, it's over. Like, this dude is not going to get us there again. We, we, And I was like, no, that's not true. I was living on cloud nine. It's crazy because that was the last time the Jets were in the playoffs. I know. That was Mike, the last time. I said time. to you that day, not to go back down the road of sadness, I'm like, you don't know how many chances you get at things like this, and this dude is not the guy. Because even in that game, remember, remember how the game that. started? He was a clown. He just a clueless clown. That's why we were down by so many points. Besides the point, I'm just saying that when it came to Sanchez, a lot of people tried to make excuses for him. I kept. I, I remember people saying all the time, "Oh, it's Rex Ryan doesn't have to cultivate a quarterback." This, that, and the other thing. Where I think I thought the complete opposite. When people try to say he didn't have receivers, we can go through a whole list of receivers that were pretty good that the Jets had. Right. You know, they had a pretty good offensive line his first couple of years. They had good running backs. They had the number one defense in the league. He had every single thing possible in place to succeed, oh, as opposed to the situation that Sam Darnold's in, where I think he's a much better quarterback than Sanchez. Right. But. The complete opposite is in place. His offensive line is horrific. His wide receivers, Jameson Crowder's are pretty good, and Robbie's pretty good. I'm not saying they're that bad, but they're not elite wide receivers. Yep. You know, our right. tight end got hurt. Griffin was okay, but our tight end play is so-so. Yeah. Um, our coach our coach doesn't seem to be a very elite coach either, or knows what he's doing. And it doesn't seem to be able to stick with anything that's working from one game to the next. So I just look at the last two years at Sam, and I look at the first two years of someone like Sanchez, and we just compare them. And one guy was in such a better situation than the other. And I, I'm not giving up on Sam, like you said, because I do think he's much better 
that he's shown so far. Yeah, and the, the thing about Sam is that I love his attitude. I love that, you know, he's not somebody that can cause drama. He says all the right things. He works hard. He's dedicated. He's a leader. And I think that I, I'm just hoping that next year, when if he gets more protection and we get him some weapons, that he can take another step forward. But I want him or hope that he can outlast Adam Gase and that after Adam Gase leaves, we can get somebody in here. I mean, you know what? Even keep Adam Gase, you know, when next year. Fine. Give me a, go, get me somebody, a quarterback guy that can come in here and work on Sam's mechanics. Because let me tell you what the biggest problem with Sam is, in my opinion, from everything that I've seen from this quarterback. Sam has special ability like you and I used to would talk about through the games. He can make plays that Deshaun Watson would like just only like guys like Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes make. Like crazy throws that it's like, oh my goodness, how did he do that, right? And why? And why? And here's the thing, here's the question, why? When you go back and watch the uh, this last game with the, with the uh, Seahawks when they beat the um, they just won their game, oh uh, Eagles, right? Dude, Russell Wilson, look at his feet. Watch him throw the ball. His mechanics are so solid. He's always got a wide base. He's always stepping through his through its throws. He's always leading his receivers. Like his mechanics are ridiculous. Sam, sometimes like that throw to Robbie Anderson. For 92 yards and a touchdown, watch what he does. He, he avoids the sack. He steps up in the pocket, right? Plants his foot, wide base, throws, perfect throw, right? He had great mechanics there. But then that play again in the Miami game, when he got rushed out to the side and he ended up forcing that throw and it ended up getting picked in the end zone, he was erratic. His mechanics were all off. Somebody needs to sit with this kid and solidify his mechanics to make sure that every throw that he throws, he's solid and how, and that's why guys like Aaron Rodgers, that's like got, why, why guys like, um, like I said, Russell Wilson, these guys are such great quarterbacks because they're always set to throw in the right situations. And they also know to throw the ball away when it's time and not try to force the issue. There's a lot of things that go through that he used to work on. And I think after year three, if you're still making the same mistakes and you're not putting up like 30 touchdowns like a Jameis Winston, yep. you got to see what the story is. Because that's not, at yeah. least for me, that's enough time to see if a quarterback's going to make it or break it. No matter what the situation is or how tough the situation is, we're going to need to see some improvement when it comes next year to those, uh, those mistakes that he's made on the they, field, especially the careless ones. Yeah, and there was another thing that somebody said um, they were interviewing, uh, I think it was one of the ex-Jets. Anthony Beck, that's right. They were doing an interview with Anthony Beck, and he said that not a lot is being said about the fact that Sam had mono, and that when he came back, it takes a while for him to get 100% healthy, and he was still playing, recovering from being sick. And he said nobody... And he was bad all those games. Him. Yes, he was. Yeah, besides he had a good game games. versus the Cowboys, but I mean... Yeah. yeah. And you know, finishing up might just going through... Um, some of the stats from this year to finish up for everyone. Crowder was the best receiver this year. Um, 78 catches, 833 yards for Crowder, six touchdowns. Robbie Anderson, 52 catches, 779 yards, five touchdowns. Mike, they pretty much got most of our yardage when it came to uh, to receiving this year. Demarius Thomas is probably a little bit better than we thought. 
433 yards he finished with, Mike, that's probably more than I thought you'd get out of him. He's oh, yeah. getting up there near 500 yards, which is, for me, especially how it started with him being injured, I didn't think he would give us that much. Griffin was a nice little surprise. 320 yards, but he had five touchdowns. He had to run there a bunch of games in a row where you just couldn't stop him uh, offensively. And on the defensive side, Mike, just a few guys I want to mention this year that we didn't get to. A couple guys that kind of came out of nowhere. James Burgess this year, who was kind of an unheralded guy. Played pretty good. Uh, Blasson Austin, 25 tackles out of nowhere. We know Mike, he burst on the scene, played great. Neville Hewitt actually led the team in interceptions, two interceptions, 75 tackles this year. Janoris Jenkins, eight sacks this year. He's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure if the Jets bring him back, but he had a really good year. So I think those are the guys that pretty much, to me, considering the patchwork defense we had, all those guys, and Austin didn't play the whole year. The other four guys played most of the season. Those are the guys that stood out on defense to me this season. Well, the one guy that stood out to me in defense, and all those guys are really tremendous, um, Brian Poole was tagged with allowing just .568 yards per cover snap out of the slot, which was actually the best in the National Football League. He allowed .526 yards cover snap, which was second best among CDs, only behind Richard Sherman. I thought Brian Poole was absolutely tremendous this year. And then to your point, Burgess and then Neville Hewitt. And then another guy that you and I talked about, Kyle Phillips. Undrafted. Oh, Kyle. I mean, that's the reason that, that's the reason, that's the reason Leonard Williams is on the Giants. Is that dude right there. You know, he's just as big and he came out of nowhere from Tennessee. He actually put up much better stats than Williams this year. And he was, he was out there on defense uh, a lot of plays to the end of the year playing really, really well. And Mike, on special teams, Sam Ficken, 19 for 27 this year. I mean. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to bring in. Well, we, well, we brought in Meyer from the Cowboys. So we brought him to a future, we signed him to a future contract. So we already got him. To, to kick, but I think we need to bring some more kickers in. The fact that they only had one kicker in camp really bothered me. I didn't understand that logic. But, um, yeah, Ficken, I think he's going to have to try to go ahead and work for that job next year. He made some big kicks. He definitely did. Yeah, but he missed a bite. Um, most of the kicks he missed were with distance. He was 3 from 6 from over 50, 7 for 11 from over 40, Mike. So that's 6 of his misses. Uh, that's 7 of his misses right there, of his of his 9 misses. And they just missed one in from 30. We had Barrios on special teams, 11.4 yards average of return. That's second highest in the NFL. So he was actually pretty good on pump returns. Yeah. A nice little move there by the mountain getting him. He played well. Then Lachlan Edwards averaged 46 yards a pump. We'll just around it out, guys, on the season stats. He played pretty well there on special teams. So, you know, we have we have obviously have a ton of areas they're gonna improve on. They're gonna have a lot of a lot of picks next year. Yeah. The Leonard Williams trade is looking better and better as the season went on. Because um, Leonard Williams didn't do anything at all on the Giants yeah. this year. He was an albatross on the Giants. He didn't play well at all. He stunk. Yeah, and, and he actually had input into the Giants' new head coach because Matt Rule, that was the sticky point between Matt Rule, whose dream job was the Giants, and he wanted Leonard Williams out, and Gettleman refused. And so Rule is now the coach of the Panthers, and they just got judged from the Patriots. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. If, if Leonard Williams is a sticking point in why you didn't get the coach that you want, then that's interesting to me. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. But if it was the money, though, because Rule got a ton of money. Oh, he did. Six and if he got the amount of money that it said, $62 million, that would be crazy for the Giants to give him that. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I wouldn't have. Nick, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given him Rule that much. Like $62 that. That's insane. million? A ton of money. That is so. And I know he's turned around. Like Andy Reid money. That's, exactly. That's like top-level NFL coach money right there for a dude that has turned around two college franchises, but Chip Kelly will show you, dude, like, Nick Saban will show you. 
Right. You know, this is right. different. The NFL is not college football. No. You know, the NFL is not every every best coach. I should say most of the best coaches from college football go coach in the NFL. Yeah. So when you're going against teams every week, you're not just going against that team's head coach. They have 30 other coaches that are awesome somewhere. Yep. They're trying to break your team down, dude. Yep. So Joe Judge, though, with the Giants, that was kind of a curb out of nowhere. Not too much experience for him, Wookie. What do you think about that? I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know he was a person that coached <laughs> until this came out. No, no offense to Joe Judge. Yeah. I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's a solid coach. So Wookie, Wookie was not aware of his existence as a human. No. I'm not, not going to lie. I never heard of him either. Because, I mean, you're a wide receiver special team coach. If you don't ever have any head coaching experience or or offensive coordinator experience or defensive coordinator experience and you get hired as a head coach, there's only one other dude and they mentioned was Harbaugh and that happened with. But Harbaugh had 10 years of experience doing a few other things also right. in the NFL. Joe Judge could go on to be a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. He could be the greatest coach of all time. Just on paper right now, you have to scratch your head just because the Giants have the best running back in the league. You got a, a young QB who played pretty good. Right. I thought I thought Jones played good, man. I know he has to figure the fumbles out and he has to the turnovers are an issue. We had 24 touchdowns. I think he started 14, uh, 13 games and he missed yeah. one at the end of the season. Yep. So that's pretty good, man. So yeah, it is. That's why I'm surprised they, they went with a coach that's never been a head coach. You think you bring in someone that's trying to cultivate what you have there, uh, not someone that you have to worry about the coach also. But that's the Giants. We're talking Jets McCarthy. here. Now let's get into our. Uh, we made some picks last week, not on the air, obviously off the air. We never show last week. Some playoff picks. We're gonna get into those. Hitting the situation. Uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, guys. NFL 2020 playoffs here in our phase. We made some selections off air last week. The bookie went two and two. Mike went two and two. I went one and three. I threw the curveball into the mix, and I went ahead and went with the Eagles there, guys. I thought they'd be able to pull that out. Also, I thought Carson Wentz was going to play in the game. Yeah. Instead, once again, he just rolls his weird chair up like Mr. Glass. He's, he's Sam Bra- he's Sam he Bradford. Is, Sam Bradford. He's fragile. He's fragile as hell. This dude goes out, and I, I, you know, I know it probably was a legitimate injury. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you want to talk about being prone to injury. I mean, he is. He, this dude started. That was his first playoff game he ever got to start. Was yesterday? Uh, excuse me. Was this weekend? And he would he play a quarter? If that quarter yeah. and a half. I mean, that's just, that's yeah. just pathetic. So that game though was entertaining, but it seemed like the Eagles just when they counted there, they could never really get on track offensively. That was probably the least exciting of the games. The other three games, all three, all three games this weekend, absolutely awesome. The yeah. other three games, all of them were awesome. All dramatic. The Texans ended up making a comeback on the Bills, Mike. We're going to get into one game last, obviously. We're going to let Mike unleash. Let's get into this Bills game real quick. The Hill people up 16 points. Couldn't hold on to it. Ah, Middle of the third quarter. This game Probably feeling good. Everything possible that could have gone wrong for the Texans did. In a row. Stupid things. And they start coming back. They start chipping away. And then we get there in the fourth quarter. And Josh Allen legitimately has the complete meltdown as a football player and starts making plays no one's ever seen. No. Running the ball in the fourth quarter, laterally to no one. I come What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Doing things that in the annals of football footage right. at those points in games, no one's seen a player be stupid. No. No one's seen someone have less awareness as a football player and absolutely torpedo 
your team's chances of winning that game. Josh Allen just choked yeah. that game away for you. Yep. Look. Choked it away look, look. with your great defense and your great everything else. Choke job. That he, game away. Even Mark Sanchez was better than this scrub yeah. this weekend who literally <laughs> looked like a child in the parking lot of MetLife Stadium in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the clueless play. Those sacks he took at the end. Look, this came down to one play for me, okay? I was very upset the way the Texans were playing early. Deshaun Watson was able to overcome it, like I said. Um, fourth and one, okay? Minute 16, fourth and one. To It's tied 19 to 19, right? Or no, 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 excuse me. It's 16 to 19, Houston, right? Up by three. And you decide to go for it on fourth and one from the Buffalo 30. If you decide to kick a field goal there, it's a 42-yarder, I think it is, 42-yarder. And you go up by six, meaning now the Bills have to go, they have a minute to go down and score a touchdown with their jabroni quarterback. You decide to go for it on fourth and one and do a turnover on downs, and the Buffalo Bills go 11 plays, 41 yards, kick a field goal, tie it up to go into overtime. That is exactly the the reason that I'm talking about regarding Bill O'Brien. That is the have you ever even heard of a coach doing something that dumb in a playoff game when with with the game on the line? How how could you call a play like that? And so, but you're right, Josh Allen. In the end, first thing he got away with four different turnovers. He fumbled the ball twice. And he threw two interceptions that would have been, one of them would have been a pick six, but both were dropped. And his quarterback rating in this game was like a 69.2. He was terrible. He was swag. And that's why I'm so glad that I read today that ESPN is deciding to move on from Booger McFarlane. Because that dude was driving me crazy. He was like, look at Josh Allen throwing across his body. This guy is so impressive to me. While the guy is like, has a, a completion percentage of like 51% in the game. I can't believe this guy. He's incredible. And then he starts talking about, you know, how good the Bills offense is. They're not even doing anything. I'm so glad that guy's going to be gone. I heard they're going to be offering Tony Romo a job for a Monday Night Football. Another great game that we had in overtime, Minnesota up against New Orleans. Now, New Orleans, guys, a couple years ago had the Minnesota Miracle dropped into their lap. Traumatizing oh. if you're a fan. Now, that hurts. That sucks. Hard to suck that one up. But at least you lost that one between the lines on the field. The following year, not so much. Fade pass, breeze, would have had the ball at the one-yard line. Player on the Saints gets clotheslined. It's not called. They changed the entire yep. rules of the NFL. That's how bad that call was. Yep. So two years in a row, two years in a row, you just get traumatizing walk-off losses in your face. Not good. And you come into this game and you say, it can't happen again. Right. We're at home. Vikings weren't having it, dude. Once again. Once again, a third year in a row where a walk-off loss in your face if you're yep. a Saints fan. Vikings would not be down in overtime, man. Cousins was slinging that ball. He was hyped up. I thought he played really, really well in this game. And the Vikings, you know, what we forget is not this year, but the previous year. The Vikings were a lot of team, a lot of people's Super Bowl pick. Remember, they're like, oh, they got Cousins, they got Cook, they got these right. receivers, their defense is good. They have that team still right now, just they've been laying in the weeds all year because yeah. the Packers won the division. But if you think about it, Mike, they do have one of the most complete teams in the entire playoffs still. They do. They do. Uh, I think that 
I don't know if Drew Brees is going to end up leaving now, but the Saints, I feel like they're cursed. It's just crazy. But to your point, Kirk Cousins played really, really well. And I think that Minnesota has um, a fighter's chance to go up into San Francisco and maybe do something. But, oh, no, I did think the Saints were the better team. I thought they should have won. But again, hats off to the Vikings, and they'll go up to San Francisco and, and give them a Give give them a run. Yeah, we'll get into those games in a moment. Now we'll get to the main event of last weekend. The thing that had Michael walking on sunshine all week. And pretty much most of the entire nation that's not located in the the New England area. The loss that the Patriots suffered to the Tennessee Titans at home. Now there's many parts to get to. My favorite part, Mike, since I know you have a lot to say about this, is Bill Belichick being so angry when Mike Rabel used... His little BS trick they did against the Jets to milk the clock. Against can can you explain that to me? Okay. So in the game, during the fourth quarter of the game, as you guys know, the loophole was that with Titans at a fourth and five from the Patriots' 36-yard line. There's 6.33 left to play at this point. Due to the weather, he didn't want to kick a field goal, so he decided to punt the ball, but not until his team took a delay of game penalty. So they ran the clock all the way down. Because now you're at 5.52. Following the penalty, the, penalty, the Titans got a, tw- a fresh 25-second play clock. So you run the clock all the way down. They let the new clock tick all the way down 25 seconds also. Okay. But what happened was that right before it clicked all the way down, they did a false start instead of running the clock down because you can't do it twice. Okay. So that's how they, they exported the loophole. That was two penalties right there. They Then they were... They, 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 then the Patriots jumped off sides of the next play. They were able to use another 25 seconds. <laughs> the next part of the whole that's awesome. That is spectacular. I love, man. He, and yeah, so and you know what bothered Belichick me? Is I heard a lot of people say after the game, and, and obviously, obviously, Derrick Henry is from a different planet. Right. And he, um, besides the early oh, part of this season, where they, I think they were kind of just keeping him in rest, because he did 15, 20 carries still. When they unleash this good dude in game, he's unstoppable at, at certain points of the game. Because their offensive line's pretty good. 34 carries, 182 yards for Henry. You also had one catch for 22 yards. It was one drive where every pass, the, the one pass and every run was to him. They were right down the field. But I heard a lot of people after the game say Tom Brady didn't play that bad. And I beg to differ the in the game. because the pick <laughs> six at the end of the game was pathetic. But he also was, in the game, he was 20 for 37 for 209 yards. That's not a good game. No. He didn't play well. White on their team had the highest, he had 62 yards in the day. That was the highest receiving on the, on the pass. And Sonny Michelle had 61 yards rushing. That was that was the highest rusher they had. They just they didn't even, they did not produce anything on offense, their team. I know Vrabel knows them well, but the way the game went at the end, too, was just so good. So satisfying for everyone that I know. And I'm just happy yes. the Patriots take a loss because that's always great. It makes, like, what I want, what I wish I could do, Mike, is go to New England and go underneath, Mike, go underneath the faces of Patriots fans, and I want to just, as their tears roll off their cheek, catch them in my own mouth, Mike. And no, oh, you know what? Catch them in a the, the canister and just save that tear water and just drink it, pound it down in front of Bill Belichick's face. That's how much joy I have right now in my heart for them losing this game. I couldn't. When he threw that pick six, I just jumped up. I was like, ah, it's over. And I, I can't believe that it has been this long that this team has been around obviously we know that their winning hasn't been really legitimate but I'm just happy that it's over and uh, even if Tom Brady I know he sang a song to everybody um, he's saying goodbye 
uh, after the loss. That was a, I thought I thought that was a very heart well uh, heartfelt thing that he did. But uh, if he did, if he does decide to come back, he I'm not afraid of him. I'm not I'm not afraid of this team at all. You know they were good because of their defense, but Tom is unfor. I mean it it is what it is. He's 42 years old. But that's the thing is that I think they're mortal again to the really good teams in the NFL, but we're not one of those teams. So like they'll still that's why every time he play, even if he comes back next year, Brady. Of course, we're not going to be scared of them, but we still haven't gotten over that hump with him as their quarterback. Right. We had, we beat them when uh, we the biggest game we've ever played was them at home. They were thirteen and three. It was the year after they were undefeated, and that year everyone's like, "Well, it's a, it's a home run, hundred percent." Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. Jets go up there, beat them. So we've had our my, my, we've had our little mini wins in the battle, right? But in the war, we're way behind. Yep. You know, so that's why I just want him to go away. Well, even if he's back yeah. Next well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say that we are behind in the war, but I would say this: um, their entire legacy has an asterisk next to it, and that was, and that was because, oh, yeah, and that was because of us. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna hang my hat on that. That was that started way. because. Now, of getting us. into the div- yeah. the rest of the divisional round here, Mike. Um, <laughs> four games. I want to hear what the Wookiee has to say too. We're gonna go through, guys. We'll pick our winners and we'll get out of here. The first game I want to get into, guys: Texans Chiefs, Sunday, three o'clock. Chiefs are the home team. Texans have the longest odds of any team right now in Vegas to win the Super Bowl. Which I guess, considering the teams that are left, isn't yeah. that surprising? Because all the teams left are pretty good. And Deshaun Watson, in these big games, he just shows up. Yep. He did it in college. He's been doing it in the pros so far. I do think they have a tough task, though, going into Kansas City. Kansas City is much healthier right now than they've been most of the season. They played pretty good down the stretch. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, he's Patrick Mahomes. Oh, so I'm going to go ahead, guys, in this game. I think the Chiefs, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll probably be a high-scoring game. I don't think either defense is a great defense. And I think the Chiefs are going to be able to pull this one out, though, in the fourth quarter. Look, Casey has the better coach. Casey has the better quarterback. Casey has the better talent. Kansas City is going to win this game, hands down. Okay. I mean, they do have the better quarterback, but do you think... To me right now, I think the best three quarterbacks, and this might sound crazy to people because Brady dropped off a little bit, right, Mike? And I think Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks, but he took a step back this year because their offense is – they had the most complete offense, the Packers in the league, passing and throwing because they run the ball good. and they, So he took a step back. I think Watson and Lamar Jackson and Mahomes could be argued as the three best guys to me. Uh, I would say that and then and then throw in – you know, a little Russell Wilson absolutely, and Aaron Rodgers. Either yep. anyone could sub out either of those other two guys, and I wouldn't argue with you. Right. I'm just such a big fan of Watson. I'm such a big fan of Lamar Jackson. Right? Obviously, Mahomes is tremendous. Oh, I'm go ahead and pick the Chiefs in that game, though. Michael, you have the Chiefs winning. Who do you got? Welcome. Uh, I'll go with the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, if Fuller plays and he stays healthy, it might be a closer game. But I'll go with the Chiefs. They're at Arrowhead. It's uh, it's pretty much a wrap. Now the other game we have going on in the NFC next week, guys. Green Bay Packers at home at Lambeau up against the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to be a good one. Yep. Now, I think the Seahawks, I've said to people, to me, they're kind of a little bit overrated this year. I know Russell Wilson, though, is ridiculous. Yeah. When Russell Wilson didn't have good receivers, he was good. Now he has Metcalf, he has Lockett, he's a bunch of guys throw the ball to. Their defense, though, is not that great no. on the Seahawks. I don't care what the numbers say. They don't have, they have Bobby Wagner, and then besides that, they don't have that many playmakers on defense. Not that the Packers' defense is that good. Right. But I think at home, at Lambeau, to me, like I said, I mentioned a moment ago, I think the Packers probably have their most complete offense this year. They've had in a long time because Aaron Jones has been a real weapon for them. Oh, absolutely. Rushing the ball and catching the ball. Jamal Williams is pretty good, but obviously Aaron Jones is a guy. He had 19 touchdowns this year. That, that's ridiculous that's right nice. there. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. So you can always count on Aaron Rodgers to probably make the right play. 
Right. You know, so he's not going to lose the game for you at all. Aaron Rodgers middle middle range with t- like about twenty five. How many touchdowns did he have this year? I think he had about twenty five touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, Mike, I think that the Packers are going to come away with a W in this game, even though Russell Wilson's playing great. I, I really think it's going to be a Packers dub. Uh, I think that honestly, I don't like how the Packers have played against uh, really good teams this season, and I think that they have a lot of talent. I think that. Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback, and I think they've done a tremendous job in getting over the McCarthy era. I feel that Seattle is going to get in there, and Metcalf is going to continue his run now. I think he's now established himself as becoming an elite receiver in this league. I knew I didn't know how long it was going to take, but uh, you could see him and a guy like A.J. Brown really starting to round into form now. Um... And I think Seattle's going to go in there and they're going to trunk them because I don't really think Green Bay is that good. I think they're good. They're really good. But I think against really good talent, um, they've struggled this year. So I like Seattle. Uh, what do you think, Will? Um, I'm going I'm to take Seattle in a close one just because I just I, 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 something about Russell Wilson. I'm, I'm not going to count him out. He's like he's like the anti-Tom Brady for me. Like, I'm not... They're yeah, on yeah. a run right now. I don't think Metcalf is having 160 yards against Green Bay's defense, but... Uh, I think he'll score a touchdown again. They got some kind of connection going right now. I did think I think it could be uh, Russell Wilson's year to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the it's Packers. The Packers are top ten this Packers year on defense tough. at uh, giving up points. Their but their offense and their defense is kind of ranked like middle of the pack all over the place. So it's not right. like, it's not like the Packers stand out so amazingly this year. It's just I don't know. I thought the, the I thought that the I thought the Seahawks would have lost last week if Wentz played. You know, they, they, they didn't, they couldn't do anything on offense really. Metcalf did great besides a few plays. They didn't right. do anything. Right. So I'm not, I'm not that impressed with the Seahawks, but I am impressed with their quarterback. So whoever, whatever, to, to me, that's kind of a coin flip game, yeah. but I'm just going to go ahead with the Packers. They're the home team. Yeah. The game I'm looking the most forward to, I think, is this game. Tennessee Titans up against the Ravens. I think Tennessee, they don't do, they're not that flashy. They're playing nope. like an 80s team. They're running the ball, playing decent defense, but the Ravens are just with Lamar Jackson this year. It's just, it's, it's something else. They're beatable. They've lost some games this yep. year. We've seen it. But it's hard to think that Tennessee is going to go into Baltimore and be able to shut down Lamar right. Jackson. The end of the season, he played tremendous. I think he's the MVP. And I think this year, he's, he's probably the best player. You know, things change from year to year. That's the dude right now, Lamar yep. Jackson. He's riding a wave. He's playing great. He's making smart plays. He's running the ball all over the place. They have other good players and playmakers on their team, too. Their defense is a tremendous secondary on the Ravens. So I think that's a juggernaut. And I think I, I, it's going to be a closer game than people think because the Titans play close games because they can run the ball and control the yeah. clock. Yep. So it's hard to blow the Titans out. But I think the Ravens are definitely going to take a W in this one. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the Ravens control the clock better than any team in the NFL. I think that Lamar Jackson is doing the things that he needs to do at the quarterback position to execute and score at will when needed. I think that his running ability and dual threat passing ability is something that the Titans have not yet faced. I think they also have a very good run game and they've been disciplined in controlling the clock. Ryan Tannehill has looked much better after he's gotten out of the clutches of the Adam Gase. I think that Tennessee is going to put up a fight against this team with all of their weapons like A.J. Brown and... um, and Derrick Henry, but in the end, I think the MVP, the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh as a coach, are going to be victorious Sunday. Yeah, I'll take the Ravens again. I think it'll be close in the first half, but I think uh, Lamar and the 37 tight ends that they throw the ball to, 
I think it's just going to be too much. I think they pull away by two touchdowns in the end. <laughs> they got like 37 tight ends. That's true. And it's funny because they did it to the Jets too, and we talked about it before they played the Jets, that they'll run the ball one way or make it seem like they're going to run the ball one way with Jackson and just throw it back the other way. It's the yep. simplest play in the world. Yep. But the cornerbacks and the safe, uh, the cornerbacks and the linebackers on whatever side that they fake the run to, they have to respect that or the dude could run for 60 yards. Yep. So it creates passing lanes and openings for receivers on his team that other teams don't have. Yep. I, don't, I don't care what quarterback you have. And guys, Vikings and the 49ers. Oh, I forgot about the 49ers. Yeah, what do you like? Who do you like in this game? So, I, it, they, uh, San Francisco is just so weird to me. They're just such a weird team to me because I feel like, you know, they're the number one team in the league. Okay, they have a really, really good defense. I, I just think that Jimmy Garoppolo's a jabroni son. I just think I have, I just feel that like in my inside, I think that he's whack and I like the coach. Um, I think that they have weapons and they have very good talent, uh, all across their team offensively and defensively. Um, D Ford, I think their offensive line is straight, but I just don't like them and. I don't know why. I just think the Vikings are going to win. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Uh, this is, this is a tough one. You hit it on the head, Mike. Like, 49ers are a weird team. Jimmy Garoppolo is a weird quarterback. Uh, I just, I, I, if it comes down. <laughs> what is it about him? Can we explain? Know, it's, Keith, let's talk about Jimmy. It's what definitely is wrong his face. Like, why face. do we not like Jimmy G? What, why do we not like uh, him? Why not? I don't know. I, I don't even know if there's a reason not to like him. I just feel like there's something there where I don't like him. <laughs> um, but I think I think Minnesota will win by a field goal at the end. Game winner. It's going to be tight. Yeah. Both defenses are really good. That's what I think. I don't. I, I don't know. I just. I. We'll see. I think it's going to be tight. You so know. I. You know. What's I funny. Think, is I think that, Cook is um, going to run. I was it. sitting yeah. here. I'm looking at the stats, and I see that the defense for Minnesota finished sixth in points. They were pretty good on defense. See, the offense finished eighth in points, 25.4, so they're pretty balanced, too. Yep. Like I said, maybe one of the most balanced teams left in the playoffs. And I was thinking about going with the Vikings, but just now to catch up on you guys in the playoff battle, I have to go 49ers. It's kind of was, I'm on the borderline, I I kind of feel what Mike says, where even though the the Niners are thirteen and three, yeah. Sometimes people don't put it in the proper context where you say, "Well, if a team was four and twelve the previous year, that means they played a pretty an easier schedule." You right. know, for, for they played the other the other teams that pretty much finished last in the divisions. And the 49ers scored a ton of points this year. They were second this year in points, but for whatever reason, I don't know, Mike. It's like they haven't been the most impressive team to me either, even <laughs> though they're thirteen and three. It reminds me of when we played the Chargers, um, you know, those years ago when we had Sanchez, and they had that great record. And even though their record was great, in in your head when you played them, you didn't feel like you were playing some great team that you should be scared of. You know, for for whatever yeah, for exactly. whatever reason, and maybe it's the quarterback, um, maybe it's that they're really like a run based team, which is kind of old fashioned. Their defense obviously has a ton of young great players on it, and they'll probably have a really good defense for years to come. But when a team goes from four and twelve to thirteen and three, normally the reality of that team is somewhere in the middle of that record. Yeah, you know, so the thirteen and three doesn't scare me. I think yeah. I think the Vikings are. A really, really good bet in this like, game. But I'm going to go 49ers just try to take a W on you guys. How about that? Like, I look at our schedule next year for the Jets, and I saw that we need to travel to Seattle. Yo, that shook me in my soul, son. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, we got to go to Seattle? Like, you know, the 49ers don't 
shake me like that. So I don't know why. Now, yeah, that's fine. Just... And the, it is tough to go to Seattle now, but I'm just going to throw this out there at these Fugazi Seattle fans. In the 80s, when I was watching football, right, and they had like Logaman as their number one receiver, or, or no, Largent, excuse me, that yep. guy and stuff like that. Yep. They'd show Seattle games. You guys, you guys weren't good fans. No. You guys, you guys weren't scaring anyone. No. You weren't so loud. You didn't, you didn't have a stadium architecturally shaped to make it seem louder because no. there's only fifty thousand people in there. It is so manufactured and fugazi yep. to me that they get to be some great fan base when you sucked as a fan base <laughs> and all of a sudden became great once your team started playing well. Yeah. We have fans yeah. like that where we live in New York. Yep, ton yeah. of them. Yep. That go for these teams that have already been good. You had a little highlighter yellow to your uniforms. All of a sudden, you come out and drove them. Get out of my face. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm not. It is obviously, obviously, it's a tough place to play. But I am yeah. not hearing it about these Seahawks fans. You know better than any other fans. Get out of my face with your 12th man. You want to know where the 12th man is? Me at Shea Stadium when I'm six years old. Screaming for the Jets. Freezing cold weather. <laughs> It's true. He speaks the truth. All right, guys. Another one in the books. The first episode of 2020. Michael, and if anyone does want to support us, get at us or get in contact with us in any way, shape, or form, where can they Well, they can find us on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. And on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. On behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris and... The big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Cronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll get at you next week. Peace out.